So, uh, so guys, uh, y'all hungry? Hungry for apples? That's a deep Rick and Morty. That's a deep Rick and Morty cut. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure why that was the first thing that came to my mind. Do you want to know my secret, Lucas? What is your secret? I'm always hungry. So, just so everyone who's listening is thinking, we are not talking about eating Pokemon. Yet. We'll eventually get there someday. If you want to talk about eating Pokemon, like, full-time, y'all listen to the I Choose You podcast. They're fantastically fun and deliciously twisted. But, we're, today we are going to be talking about food, but we're going to be talking about the diets that we've been feeding each of our Pokemon. Because for some strange reason, Pokemon doesn't care about the science of feeding everything the same thing. Or candy. And I kind of want to talk about that. Everyone can eat anything, and it's a wonderful, wonderful world. Yes, but our podcast wouldn't be our podcast if we didn't take that wonderful world and break it down behind the cold, hard hand of science. So, let's go ahead and get cracking. Cue the music! Alright, uh, Don, why don't you hit us with your, uh, with your science news? All right, yeah. So, um, oh, this is pretty cool. I I learned about this like literally today, and you guys actually already had it in the show notes. But you're nicely letting me talk about it. So, um, it looks like life finds a way for the California condor because um, two females at the San Diego Zoo's breeding program for the uh, California condor, which is like a critically critically endangered bird, um, seem to have conceived through parthenogenesis, which is it's basically virgin birth. The uh, females, they checked around, I guess, probably genetically, or if they're in a zoo, I'd imagine they're under pretty close supervision. So they know they didn't mate with any male birds. And it's the first uh, incidence of this occurring in uh, condors. It is absolutely fantastic news because when you said critically endangered, like, I want the, I want the people who are listening to, like, think for, like, a second how many there are left. Now reduce it. There are 160 or so in the wild. Yeah, there's more in captivity than there are in the wild right now, actually. Yeah, it, it is ridiculous how few of these things are left. But it's so cool that life did push the through. And this is not uncommon in reptiles, and birds are technically reptiles, so that doesn't fit through. It's really cool that the species has a chance to kind of up its numbers. In the long run, you got to put some genetic diversity in there. You can't just keep having clones of the same thing, otherwise... You could have some sort of genetic defect or some sort of disease spread and kill them all again. But I think it's such cool, happy news to hear that just nature decided to be nature. And that if we didn't have that conservatory or this place to protect these birds, we wouldn't have ever figured this out. And that's so, so cool. It does, it does potentially pose a threat down the road if it just becomes like a very commonplace thing. But I think... I don't know the exact like ratio of like male to female condors out there, but I imagine it's not really a shortage of, shortage of males or anything that would really lead to this being an issue. Oh, I think that that's in the wild though. This right here in the article says scientists looked at the 467 males to see which might have mated with the birds and announced it was the first ever like virgin birth of condors. So I guess there's in captivity maybe a solid chunk. Yeah, I mean, it might just be waiting. It might be one of those species survival plans where you're just waiting for a good time to release them. But, you know, humanity yeah. and the planet keep doing what humanity and the planet do. It's like, nah, maybe next year. They just keep moving it. Maybe next year. There's a lot. I think one of the big things that, like, hurt the condor a few decades ago was, like, the, at the time it was very common to, you know, poison for, like, foxes and coyotes. 
and then they would eat the poison and run off and die in the condors, which like dead stuff. Um, and that like a lot of programs like that have been really cut back, or people don't people get rid of like varmints in different ways now. So that should um help them out a lot too. Well, that's nice. Uh, again, it's really nice news to hear. All right, is there any Pokemon news that kind of wait, Lucas? We have to do this one. Can we talk about the greatest upset in science competitions? Oh God, do we have? Oh, fine. Yes, in New Zealand, the greatest bird award. We have an upset in the New Zealand's bird of the year, a bat one. I mean, there's no rules against the bat being part of the competition, but it's still mildly. In- Lucas, why was the bat included in the bird of the year competition? Uh, the bat was included because people voted for it. And there really wasn't a rule against it. And I think, yeah, I don't know. Okay, there's no rule against a bat running, and it's all based on popular vote. So technically speaking, under their system, a cocker spaniel could technically win, and the species is critically endangered. So it's not like it's going to, like, a rat that, like, fell off a boat. This is literally just, oh, this is also an endangered species. He doesn't have a category. Let's put him with the birds because he flies. The, the organizers included the bat because they wanted to raise the bat's profile because it is critically endangered. And it won. What an upset. It beats the cockapole, which is like that fat green parrot that walks around and does nothing but, you know, walk around, eat and try and mate. Yeah, it's not really good at things. Little green parrot just walking around, minding his own They're business. They're not that little, aren't they? I thought they were pretty player. Like, oh, yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm still thinking of condors as big. No, it's it's a... It's a good doughy green bird that just waddles around slowly on the forest floor. It does not care. New Zealand used to be a place where animals could not care. It begs for an invasive mammal. It's it's a problem. It literally has a bullseye on its head for like every invasive creature to just come and eat it. Like a human could literally pick it up. And that's just like yoink mine. I think they're supposed to be like friendly too, which is probably not not great. What you want? Yeah, the bat wins just because it's probably smarter. To be fair, New Zealand only has two mammals, and they're both native mammals, and they're both bats. Yeah, and that's one of them. So, yay, New Zealand. Yep. Yay, New Zealand. Yeah, bat of the year would not Uh, have been uh, very exciting, since there's two. Is there anything good happening on Pokemon-related? I'll be honest. When you're in Japan, you kind of get different Pokemon news. So, what's going on? Okay, I got one real quick, real quick, which is they are doing a shiny Zacian and Zamazenta giveaway at GameStop. And the only reason that I'm saying it now is Zacian only exists, or Zacian only is being given away through, I believe, the end of this weekend. The code is free. I have seen some people say that the GameStop people tried to make them, like, spend a certain amount of dollars. But you should be able to just walk in and be like, do you have a shiny Zacian code? And then they give it to you. But you can only redeem Zacian in Sword, or you can only redeem Zacian in Shield, and you can only redeem Zamazenta in Sword. Mm, I see what they're going with. Because I personally think that Shiny Zacian is the much more aesthetically appealing of the two Shinies. So, sorry, I, I, I just realized, because of the timing of the last guys y'all did the episode, we didn't talk about the new Pokemon in Legends on the show. Oh, Maybe yeah, not. Zora. Oh. Zora, yeah. Because we, 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 we got the video. We didn't get the... Uh, the reveal. That's right. Yeah, it was like the next day. So, yes, it has been two weeks now, but we are finally getting to it. 
we have the new Hisui version of Zero Orok and Zora. What is it? Zoro? Zoro? I think it's Zoroark. Zorark? Is yeah, it Zorark or Zoroark? Either way, it's terrifying and it's based on a spiteful ghost. It's going to kill us all. I like it. It is the champion I have been trumpeting for for the past year. Our first ghost normal type. It's very exciting. It's a very exciting typing. It's very exciting times for us. And if it keeps the illusion ability, God help us. It's going to eat your fighters for breakfast. It's going to eat your fighters for breakfast. It's going to eat your ghosts for breakfast. Like, just psych. Oh my god, what if you had like two, what if you had like the normal Zero Orc and the regional Zero Orc on a team? I would just name that team the Monty. I just name it the three card Monty because it literally just be. I can't do nope, the full Dana again. White quote, but that's illegal. <laughs> I'm just saying, it will be real cool and I kind of want to do it just to screw with them. I do hope for like a little bit of a stat buff, like how they, you know, they kind of tweaked Alola Ninetales and Ninetales' stats, got that little extra speed. I feel like Zoroark could maybe benefit. I mean, its bulk just isn't going to be there, and I don't think it's meant to be bulky. But I like it just a like a, a hair faster, or just hit a. Because right now, it I feel like it struggles to get that one shot KO. It it kind of really needs that I think to really succeed with the illusion. They could even make it a little slower and give it more like output. Currently, it can put everything in the game into the yellow bar of health, and then but it gets KO'd then. Yeah, like exactly. It's like literally, ha! I did damage. But, but I'm still here, and then just punch, and you're dead. So it, it really could. I, I honestly think because if it keeps the illusion ability, I think it should get more power because that should be like the – you shouldn't be super fast and, the, and like hiding who you are. I think the power is what you should really be like, psych, I'm just going to rip your mind in half. I think it would be cool. Especially it's like it's dead and it's all spooky now, so it might be slow. It's dead, it's spooky, and it's really, really angry that it's dead. Like, this thing had, like, the worst life. It's had all its time to plan and stuff, so maybe, yeah, maybe they'll make it more deliberate in its, like, vengeance instead of being all quick and sneaky. It's slow and planning, like, traps. What if, what if instead of, like, um, like a held item that makes it strong, instead of life ore because it's, like, a spiteful ghost, here, here's a manifesto. <laughs> Like, literally just a hate journal. It's like reverse John Wick. It's a dog that only John Wick didn't die. But it's it's a dog that got killed. And it's, I guess it's not reverse John Wick. It's just a dog that kills people. But still. Oh, then <laughs> Ignore it's that Stephen rant. King. Edit that out. I'm here for it. All right. We've gotten that out of the way. Now we can go back to our regularly scheduled broadcasting. Well, we just have a couple other quick updates in the Pokemon news before we can get to the topic. Um, and Don has a big, a big news bit. But... Uh, and then in Pokemon Go, we have the Shinx Community Day in November. The Shinx Day is Sunday, November 21st. And if you evolve it, it's going to learn Psychic Fangs, which is going to be a new move in the game. And I think for in GBL, I think it will be an automatic defense debuff, just so it'll work like Poison Fang and all that kind of stuff in Pokemon Go. Interesting. That'll be cool. And then uh, we also, what was the other Oh, there's also a Festival of Lights uh, event that's happening in November. And starting November 5th and runs for about, I think, 10 days. So 10th to the 15th. And it's of note because Dedene is making its appearance. So we get the little electric fairy type in the game for the first yeah, time. Yeah, he's cute. 
I look at Den and I every like few months because I always feel like there's might be a secret to like unlock it where it's good for something, and then I'm sad. <laughs> I feel that's how you spend like your like you literally have a nice drink in hand and you're just scrolling through like Cerebi looking at like all the stats of the Pokemon going like maybe this could work, maybe this could work. <laughs> I'll, I'll de- I definitely find myself going down a rabbit hole of looking at a team. Like, I need some sort of, like, bulky but kind of quick, like, electric type. And then I'll start looking, and it'll just get slowly get weirder and weirder as I go. And I'll be, like, texting my friends, like, hey, you know, Manectric might be Manectric might be the secret. And then the next morning I'll wake up, and I'll be like, Manectric is not the secret. You probably have a cork board behind you, like, literally with, like, a Manectric, an Electivire. Like Charlie. And, like, and- Electivire's <laughs> crossed out. <laughs> There are spreadsheets. Of course there are. Pokemon fans love their spreadsheets. Do you want to do the regional stuff, Don? Did we talk about that? Real quick, well, real quick, because I know this is running long. So we have our first regional dates for the upcoming year. Obviously, you know, asterisk, subject to change and all that. But uh, Florida Regionals is back, and it's in Orlando again after a couple years in Daytona. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. I'll definitely be there. I think I might be at, I think I'm made about maybe doing New Jersey and Indianapolis as well. Unless it got changed. Right now I'm looking at so March week before is uh, Salt Lake City. Then we have Orlando, Indianapolis, New Jersey, Secaucus, New Jersey, uh, right. Vancouver, and Milwaukee are the current ones that are up. We definitely took this longer, but we had a lot of news. But let's go ahead and dive into the topic. All right, Lucas, you're here to feed me some information. Yes, I want to, like, you brought this episode up to me and thought, hey, could this be a good idea? And my mind just flashed back to all the people who tried feeding manatees while I was at that viewing center. And I'm guessing that's not the, not the, not the way to go. Yeah, no. So the long story short, people love feeding animals. It's literally a thing that we do. We, we love doing it. It's fun for us. And of course, when you have a pet or you have a livestock animal, what you feed is important to them. You are what you eat. But as fewer and fewer people have gotten away from needing to like feed their animals to, you know, survive and more so to just like, Oh, it's my cute little dog. Let me feed it bacon or whatnot. We kind of forget that each organism needs specific food to survive. It sounds really obvious, but then you have the people who post that their cat should go vegan. Like we need to talk about this. Uh, there's a difference between being a herbivore and being a vegetarian. One of them is a choice. The other one is a necessity. Anyway, natural selection isn't perfect. There's this idea like, aha, what about this TV? Like, it's, natural selection is just trial and error over a longer period. Like, it's, it takes time to adapt to these abilities. But when an animal adapts an ability to digest a certain food, it might evolve a way to die if it eats something that would be harmless to other species the most common example i know is dogs and chocolate where a human can eat a whole lot more chocolate than a dog can before they succumb to death i remember when they first invented chocolate sorry i thought you were pausing there i was gonna have a terrible spongebob line in <laughs> no it's good i love uh, uh, ever, there's never a wrong time for spongebob ever ever but um yeah specific food for animals is going to be really important, and Pokemon probably isn't any different. Uh, I do want to talk about some really fun things with diets when it comes to animals, because specific foods that an animal requires are going to come from weird sources occasionally. 
So, Don, you know a lot more about this from your experience with deer, but you've seen deer eat some weird stuff, right? Um, yeah, yeah, they they will definitely nibble on. I mean, the main stuff you think of deer is plants and grains and all that. But there are, I'm assuming, are you, are you about to bring up the deer that have been seen eating like baby birds and squirrels and whatnot? Just about, yeah, yeah, those are pretty terrifying. Like you will occasionally get them eating that for their nutrients, or giraffes will chew on bones and what have you. Like that's for calcium. Squirrels love bones, actually. Oh yeah, God, they they do. It's actually pretty fun when you give them like a salt lick or something. They're like, mmm, delicious. But they'll also go after the bones for the calcium. Um, poison dart frogs are going to eat ants to sequester the poison to make themselves, you know, poisonous. And even moose have been found to go swimming in orca-infested waters to get to saltier plants in the marshes. I mean, moose are listed as a prey item for orcas. I'm not kidding. I mean, kidding. everything should be a prey item for orcas, let's be honest. And somehow not us. Always weirded me out that we were never on the map. That menu. we know of. That we know of. Yeah, They're smart enough to hide the body. <laughs> they throw us a solid every now and then. They're like, all right, they don't know. They, they won't they won't suspect quick squeak and whistle at them until they suspect nothing Yee! like oh it's a sweet murder excellent operative shamu continue your work all right now we'll yeet this seal <laughs> Let, watch as i throw the seal 80 feet in the air but i'm still a sweetheart <laughs> in any case there are also a lot of animals that will eat certain things because it helps them look good for the ladies uh the blue-footed booby don't laugh not to you guys. I know you're mature, but like to the audience, don't laugh. That's its name, blue-footed booby. If I remember right, it stems from like a word. For like, it was like a like a dullard because they would land on boats, and I think they could just you know club them or whatever. <sighs> yeah, man, naming is weird. But the, do you know why their feet are blue? Because of what they eat. Yes. Sorry, Don. You didn't answer fast enough. He I was about to say I was mad. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't say it quick enough. Also, but but Chris did not put his answer in the form of a question. He did not. Ah, oh, so you lose the point. Don, you didn't put the form of a question either. No one gets points. None of you get anything. But they do get it from seafood. Uh, the chemicals that are given in the seafood make their feet blue in color. And the females will actually look for that in a respective mate. The bluer the feet, the more successful the hunter. The more successful the hunter the probably the better offspring they will produce. So it is an honest indicator as to the um, the sexual prowess of the animal, like how it's going to be as a good father. It's really cool stuff. I was going to say, they've actually been doing some, speaking of deer, there's actually been some more and more literature lately um, that's looking at um, nutrition as the main factor for like really large antlers. Previously, it was thought to be primarily genetic, but it seems like it's more and more to do with like nutrients in the soil and like more varied diets. Which actually comes to a really good segue on human care. Like, whenever we are working with animals in human care, you have to form specific diets for, like, each thing you're feeding. Now, in a lot of cases, you can use some, you think, like, big bags of canine chow that you can buy from uh, Missouri, which is, like, the big zoo food company in America. You can buy, like, this canine diet that it's meant to be, like, pelleted foods for different animals. But you also have to mix in, like, different kinds of meat, different kinds of vitamins. Each animal requires a different sort of nutrient. They can't all get the same thing. Uh, my favorite is a flamingo pellets because they literally contain shrimp and brine to give them that pink color since buying actual shrimp would be too expensive. Yeah, I was about to ask, wouldn't that just be like brine shrimp cubes? Yeah, like they give them little pellets. Are they brine shrimp or are they a different kind of shrimp? 
I don't know. There's some kind of crustacean with the same chemicals in their system. Gotcha. Know, there's a lot of animals that you really need to give like a very specific thing. Obviously, koalas are things that are like they need specifically eucalyptus leaves. You're going to have specific spiders that really only eat moths. You're going to have so many weird organisms and these specific things. I think it's really, really strange that you can just in Pokemon here, everyone eat the same berry. You'll all be fine. The uh the Harlequin shrimp only eats two feet from sea urchins and sea stars. See, like stuff like that. Who just who knows that? Like who would like that's such a thing, like how would you naturally select to only eat somebody's feet? Well, they're really slow, I guess, and they have a lot of feet. Look up a Harlequin shrimp though, they're really cool. Oh, all right. Chris, do you have a I'm looking at the show notes and there's a section that just says Chris stuff. <laughs> One of my favorite bits about uh, an- facts about animals and food and, and that sort of crossover of humans is birds and peppers. Peppers, as is, as we all know, have uh, are spicy because of the capsaicin within them. Capsaicin was uh, is part of the pepper plant because it's supposed to be a deterrent so that things don't eat it. It activates pain receptors. They should have made it less delicious then. As, as humans, they did, nature did not bank on humans being masochistic, apparently. That it's supposed to be a deterrent because humans, for one, and other animals with teeth have molars that, when eating the peppers, grind up the seeds and basically make them non-viable for, for reproducing. But birds, on the other hand, are not affected. Their pain receptors aren't triggered by the capsaicin. So they can eat as many peppers as they want and they feel fine. And then because they don't have the, the teeth to grind up the seeds, when they fly around and poop, they spread the seeds just like the pepper plants want. And I just thought that was such a cool evolutionary little tidbit where it's sort of almost in a way like so, like selecting like it's like a partnership. Like you can eat us, but you're also spreading our seeds safely. Everyone else, please stay away. That is really Really specific. It's not the most specific I've seen a plant go nuts for, but that is really, really cool. But it does, it does bring up one thing. What happens when you feed an animal the wrong diet? And like, I mean, yes, the bird, like you just brought it up. Oh, if something eats this pepper, its mouth is going to catch on fire versus this bird who nothing happens. This is something you deal with a lot with taking care of animals. If you feed an animal the wrong diet, you can have drastic consequences. The most common being obesity with pets, people who feed their dogs like nothing but scraps from the table without caring what you're feeding them. You might be poisoning your dog or cat like because you don't know what chemicals are in the food that are going to affect them. We barely know how some of these chemicals affect humans entirely, but feeding them to an animal like that can have some pretty dire stuff. Um, um, a monkey might really like fruit. And if you wanted to get it to behave, just keep giving it fruit. But you might end up giving that monkey type 2 diabetes. It's terrifying stuff. And that's and this is also not to say that you, like, there are foods you can feed your pets from the table, too, in certain situations. Like, I know when my dog has, like, tummy problems, our vet always says boiled chicken and, and plain white rice is, like, the, the thing to, like, settle them down. It's like, there's a place for these things. You just have to know what it is. Yeah. And in Pokemon... Why would Pokemon be any different? Why am I feeding all these monsters like snacks and curries and all the same kind of berries? That's what I want to talk about next. I want to talk about how Pokemon might be killing everything. Yes. All right. Let's get into the Pokemon. So so how do we know, Lucas, what berries are good for Pokemon to eat? 
And I was going to, me, to say it, oh, go ahead. the same way that we found out which mushrooms were dangerous to humans. We we just let taste tester Steve go at it while Don take well caveman Don takes notes. Fascinating. It is yes. It, the way I would see it playing out in the game world is very much trial and error, where you either have someone actively feeding them to them and just documenting what happens, which is not so great for the Pokemon, or more of an observational study where you see this greedent in the berry tree in Galar and you see it eating specific types of berries and you're like, huh, maybe greedent only likes these berries because what happens when you feed a Pokemon the wrong berry, especially in a battle situation? It gets confused. Yeah. Yeah. So the, um, the, the, the three, like the, the Fiwam berries as everyone called, well, not maybe not everyone, but the, the figgy wiki, Ayapapa and the rest of them that I can't remember off the top of my head berries have like a certain nature that causes them to confuse in um in addition. I think they still heal, right? They just also confuse. Yeah, if it's with the if it's with the wrong nature based Pokemon. Yes, with its and it's each one has it's like the opposite nature that the berry's supposed to be, I guess. My actually my friend um Eric, shout out to Eric, ran a I think he ran Wikiberry. Oh, this was back uh twenty seventeen, so Alolan Muck was big. And he ran Wikiberry Alolan Muck with an adamant nature, which is the opposite nature. But because he just always had it with his Tapu Fenny, um, he didn't realize it because Missy Train prevented the confusion for like four months. <laughs> like, go ahead, do it. Just immediately like healed by the magic Hawaiian fairy god. Like, oh, I'm better now. I was like, Eric, can I see like your team? I want to give it a shot. And I looked at it for half a second. I was like, why is this? Muck have a wiki berry. He's like, oh, that's bad. <laughs> he, ne- he just out- he somehow is never in electric or grassy terrain or psychic terrain at peak like tapu time when his muck's berry procs. I guess that's wow. <laughs> Whoa. I think it would be one of those things where nature is smarter than most people give it credit for. If you just leave some berries out, most organisms can figure out what's poisonous or what's not if it already occurs in their environment. So if you leave out certain berries for birds in America, like they'll go at them, but others they'll leave alone if they're found naturally. It's when a foreign object is brought in that they taste tested and die. So that's what you said. Trial and error over and over and over again. Yes, unfortunately. It is me- it's a messy process, but somebody's got to do it. Someone, someone had to look at the egg that came out of that chicken and was like, I should eat that. Someone had to look at milk and think maybe I should take some more. I mean, if you see the the calf doing it, I guess, and you're aware that humans and nurse it probably wouldn't be the craziest stretch. I mean, my idea is like, okay, how do I get to it without getting kicked in the head? Were buckets invented by that time, or did they just have to like freestyle it? I think it was more of a pot situation than a bucket situation. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I, guess, yeah. Look, I just I, re- I just remember that we have pottery from like ten thousand years ago, so that was a terrible question. Well, that that covers the the sort of natural aspect of food lucas but in pokemon there is man-made foods basically the table scraps that you were talking about well not really scraps they're straight up feeding pokemon treats yeah Yeah, they're all like candy or sweets and i don't know like because you know we do have dog bakeries in st petersburg back home they have like on central avenue they have like multiple places where you can get food for your dog and it's all sweets and treats and it's very nice but oh shout out to my dog for turning 13 yesterday Oh, that's very nice. Your dog probably stayed third, got to that age because you didn't constantly feed it like candy and like curry and whatnot. No, this is so weird. No, but he tried his best to get it. He tried, but you stopped him. Good owner. 
Yeah, but he, he ate a lot of drywall, too. I, like, I'm looking at the list of things, and I'm, like, going over, like, Poffin and the malasadas. And, like, okay, can you explain what a malasada is? Like, what it actually is? This was one of my favorite foods that they added in uh, in the Pokemon game. Malasadas are basically uh, a donut. They're basically a, a yeast donut that doesn't have the hole in it. And they can be sugar-based, or they can be basically just sugar-dusted, or they can have different sort of fillings, depending on where you are. In Hawaii, the, the fruit fillings are very popular. Malasada is actually Portuguese for poorly baked, and it actually originated in the archipelagos off the coast of Portugal. They were really popular because there was a heavy Catholic population, and these were made right before Lent because they would use up all the fat and the sugar that were in their stores uh, before Ash Wednesday. The idea was to use up all the things that you were giving up for Lent, before Lent, on Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday. The way that these donuts got to Hawaii is when the sugarcane plantations started sprouting up in the late 19th century, they started bringing in workers from various parts of the world to be on, uh, to, to farm the sugar. And a lot came from the Pacific, but there was already a, a strong sugarcane farming presence on those islands off the coast of Portugal. And they brought a lot of those workers to Hawaii to work uh, in the sugarcane fields. And they brought their traditions with them. And with that came the malasadas uh, around uh, Fat Tuesday. And they became uh, a huge hit in the area. And to the point now where Fat, or Fat Tuesday, the day before Ash Wednesday, is actually referred to as Malasada Day in Hawaii. They are delicious treats. Uh, and if you ever have a chance to try one, you should, because I mean, it's, it's a donut. It's good. I love donuts, but Lucas, I'm not giving a donut to my dog. Yeah. When the first, when you said the words, use all the sugar and butter, like I was like, uh, I fed this to like a lot of Pokemon and like, I, I, I did some pretty, I, I fed a lot of things, these candies. And like, that's not even the, I mean, the macaroons that they sold in like Kalos and stuff too. It's the same thing of like, oh, these delicious, delicate pastries made of sugar and butter. Anywho, here you go, right on, eat up. Like, I, I don't even want to think of what that would do to their bodies. Like, there's a good chance that most of your Pokemon would have type 2 diabetes. Oh, and also like, think about all like the berries and type of stuff that like a dog can't have because poison grapes and what have you yeah yeah and think about all the different flavorings these donuts can have oh that's yeah like there's a pretty good chance that some of these chemicals would have a weird effect on the pokemon i think it would be really funny what was that berry that affects adamant nature don what was that one called i think that's the wiki berry i made it with wiki berry here you go my champ just collapses that like buddy champ well the fact it confuses them makes me think it's like a neurotoxin yeah, but then it's just, like, they just collapse on the ground. Like, if they actively, like, ingest the pastry combined with, like, other ingredients, they just, like, pass out and, like, start twitching or paralysis. I'm like, oh, God, what have I done? Like, you, like, I understand, I liked in the anime, in the anime, Brock has, like, specific diets made. Like, he's like, oh, here, I made this Pokemon chow. Here you go. And I have different bowls. But even then, you still see scenes where, like, four very different Pokemon. Like, I posted on Twitter, there's, like, an Alolan Volpex, a Pikachu, a Todigamaru and like uh, and a Poplio all eating like from the same bowl. They're all eating different foods. 
They're all mammals in real life, but each one of them has a ridiculously different diet than the other. And I do not understand, like, how they are not dying. It's poor husbandry is what it is. Pokemon, good for fun, bad for husbandry. <laughs> but um, I do want to talk a bit about um, the one food that really does, like, weird me out that we ate. Because in Galar, we changed from feeding just sweets. We decided to go for savory, and we started giving curry. That's right. Curry, like we stopped going for sweet and we started going for the savory, which is weird because if I've watched anything on Netflix, it's the Great British Bake Off, and they have an amazing option of sweets. I could have been baking my Pokemon delicious breads. I mean, we have Alcremie exists though, so there's that. It's the cake. Yeah, I can't eat Alcremie. Okay, I can eat Alcremie. I shouldn't eat Alcremie, but anyway, with curry, I think it's really interesting that they did add it though, because historically speaking. Uh, the first curry restaurant opened around 1810. It was called the Hindostan. Well, what was it? What, what? Real quick. The first curry restaurant in the UK. In the UK. Yes. Sorry. The first curry restaurant in the UK. Hindostani Coffee House. It was opened by a guy named Dean Muhammad. He was a trainee surgeon in, uh, and he was fighting wars and crap. And when he came, when he relocated to Britain, he opened up a shop and he gave like bamboo chairs out. There was a hookah area. It was like decked out to be as Indian as possible because he wanted to introduce the culture. There was some interesting history with that because at a certain point, like, People stopped eating because there was the bloody revolt that happened in 1857. So people in the UK kind of felt like, I don't really want to associate with those rebels and their disgust of imperialism. But then it came back because Queen Victoria brought it back. And then the coolest thing to me, after World War II, uh, all those bombed out buildings uh, were bought out by uh, Indian sailors who had worked in the war and had moved to the UK. There were over 70,000 people from the southern of southern asian descent in that area they bought those bombed out buildings and they turned their those areas into restaurants to serve curry for the after pub crowd so if you're drinking a bit too much you can get this delicious indian food all set and ready to go it's been a big staple of the uk's culture so much so that at a certain point it was declared the official food of the uk like the everyone's favorite in the uk at one point which is Really, really weird. Specifically, it's it's the chicken tikka masala is the national dish of England. That is the most. I, I know this is normally Madison's wheelhouse, but sadly she was busy. But like that is some of the most imperialistic nonsense I have ever heard in my life. But the bottom line, you should not be feeding curry to your pets. Or you should not be feeding curry to your Pokemon. Because even though there's so many different flavors, you have no idea what those spices could do to them. Like none. Especially, again, like the capsaicin. The capsaicin is in there. If you feed it, it to a Blaziken or a Torchic, that thing's not going to care. You feed it to, like, a Growlithe, it's going to be really weird when its mouth starts, like, feeling like it's on fire and it's a fire type. What if it has flash fire boost? Will it be better? I don't know. That's something. It's not actual fire. It might just cause its brain to implode because it doesn't know. Wait, I'm supposed to like fire, but I'm on fire. Error, 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 error. It just falls down. I like the idea of an Arcanine getting, like, that burning feeling, and it's just like, is this what I do to people? I'm a monster! As, a, as an existential crisis. What's the, um, Brawl's got this, does the new Smash also, I remember the spicy curry item in, like, Brawl, where you, your character would eat it, yes. and it's, like, hovers and just shoot fire everywhere. Mm. Yeah, that's one of the items you get in Smash, and it's one of those, like, I mean, what did the opposite happen with Mint? 
Like with Mint has the cold sensation. Give that to like the the uh, Alolan Volpex, and it's like Mint is cold spice. It's a cold spice. Like oh no. No, I've been freezing people like this. This is torture. This would be a really fun way to teach Pokemon empathy. Or poison. Uh, or that uses it to supercharge. Like, I just see, like, Alolan Ninetales, like, taking a shot of Listerine Wintergreen and then just firing off a blizzard. It's go time. It's go, like, like oh, what's that held item? Just literally, like, the, the whole bottle of Listerine. Don't worry about it. Mind your business. <laughs> An Arcanine eating like cinnamon stuff just it seems like a how it like how it feels to chew five gum commercials. <laughs> <laughs> Lucas, one one little bit about Galar and the curry is that this is a, this was the first game where we actually had a dex for the food. Yeah. Because we had the curry dex, which to me speaks to the people of Galar essentially documenting the food and how potentially how it reacts with the Pokemon. So like sort of creating that that database that we're talking about, something that people could search. Like, hey, I just caught this dreadnought. What curry should I feed it? Because in this world, your Pokemon can eat curry. As someone that didn't do a lot of currying, is that a thing in the game where do, do they have like certain Pokemon like certain curries more? Is that what the curry decks does? It it just categorizes which curries you've made and like what level, how good you've made them because you have to stir it the right way and whatnot. There are people out there who went off and tried to complete the curry decks. It's interesting. Uh, a, a lot of people make jokes because they clearly put Pokemon body parts in them. Like there's clearly a Kingler like shell like claw in there. There's clearly a Slowpoke tail in there. It's like uh, that's decoration, right? Shut up and eat. Eat your protein, boys. I mean, the Slowpoke tail, I'm fine with. They don't care. But, like, the Kingler, I feel a little bad for. Even if crabs can regenerate their limbs, I still feel a little bad. Just it's a like, bit. oops, crab hammer in my stomach. Oh, that. Oh, don't worry, it missed. It's got a high critical hit ratio, too, though. Yeah, no. Uh, so, you, if it hits, it hits hard. On that note, yes, the final thing. If you have pets, if you take care of animals, you know firsthand that diet is important. In Pokemon, obviously, it's still a game, but it's really interesting to see what foods they put in. I'm really interested to see what foods they put in the next region, but we'll talk about more of that on our Patreon. For now, um, y'all got anything else? PSA, if you are questioning whether you should feed your animal something, talk to your vet. We all love our pets, and we want them to be healthy and happy. Yeah, please, please don't just Google it. Or, oh, for God, please don't listen to us. Like, don't, like, oh, I heard this Pokemon podcast say that I shouldn't feed this or I shouldn't feed this. Like, yeah, yeah, please confirm with vets. Because while we did our research on this, the vet studied this for a living. Please, please talk to the experts. Okay, now we can go to the wrap-up. Lucas, this was my ham-fisted way of getting out of spooky season and into Thanksgiving season to talking about food. So thanks for joining me on this this delicious journey. Oh, it is my pleasure. Today is effective. Today, have you hyped your turkey? You've hyped your turkey theory mod on here, right? Sorry, Lucas, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Yeah, oh, I've I've talked about goblin. Okay, <laughs> Lucas hasn't for heard me, about goblin. Today is cultural day at, in Japan, which is why I have the day off to actually do this. And there's nothing more fun about talking about culture day than talking about food. So I'm really thankful I could be out with you guys. That and next week we can start hyping up Diamond and Pearl. Oh, it's a coming. That's right. I've been saving an episode on Team Galactic for over a year for this. This is going to be fun. 
I hate those See how nerds. many times I can work lyrics from the Beastie Boys song Intergalactic into the episode. Let's find out. As many as you can. That is one of my favorite songs of all time. Anywho, thank you so much for listening, guys. If you want to help us out, uh, please say we've gotten some great review comments. We've gotten some great feedback on Twitter and Facebook. Please hit us up there. If you have any questions for us, we're always listening. If you guys have any suggestions, we're always taking those. Um, anything else they can do to help us out? If you want to contribute to the show, there's always our Patreon in the show notes. You could also buy a shirt. We do have shirts and merch, so you can buy something like that as well. I personally am a fan of the two scoops or the Teddy Rose about bodying an Ursarang. I like that one a lot. Anywho, guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope to see you guys in the next episode. Have a wonderful rest of your day or night. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.